let's let's continue to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> I live in that world, baby. Let's, let's get it. <laughs> let's get weird, man. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back, everyone. We keep mixing it up here at Humanize, and today we're going to mix it up again with sort of a behind-the-scenes episode. Courtney and I are here with Derry Matthew Barrage, who was one of our guests uh, season two. So welcome, Derry. Thank you for having me yet uh, again. Yet again, come on back. So excited to have you here. So Derry, back in season two, spoke with us. I think the title of the episode was Capitalism plus Whiteness equals Professionalism. Really interesting episode that has the wheels turning for me. And one thing, so Derry does a lot of work with organizations, with communication and inter-organizational activism and problem solving, and a lot of work with Jedi principles, so justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion principles. And I have had the honor of being able to work with him some more since that episode and just seeing how amazing he is at asking questions, really thought-provoking questions. And we asked him to join us today following the Rittenhouse episode, which was two episodes ago for us. So that was an episode where Courtney and I shared some, some thoughts about the Rittenhouse case and that episode is weighing very heavily on my heart. And it has to do with kind of where we got in that episode and just questions that have come up about Courtney and my dynamic and our responsibility as podcasters on social justice topics. So, Gary, thank you for joining us to help us kind of tease this out. Yeah, uh, I mean... I'm merely a guest in your in your home here, right? Which is to say, house rules, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, however, that y'all make sense of. I mean, my role here isn't to to press. <laughs> you know, this isn't my show. This isn't my house. I'm just, uh, you know, honored to be invited. And so, I'm just going to just have a learner's mindset. You know, just uh, muster every good nature curiosity I can come to bear during this time, you know, representing your beloved listeners, your audience. And I uh, thank you for that. And I also want to like welcome your perspective. I, if you had a perspective on the Rittenhouse episode, you don't have to share it now, but just know that you don't have to totally hold the space of quote, um, objective facilitator or, or something like that. Um, so. <laughs> All right. I'll come at you comprehensively, comprehensively okay. as I can. Bring your whole self, bring your whole self. So I guess it's worth just articulating it because Courtney and I even have not had a lot of time to to talk about this because moving at a million miles an hour. So I guess what is really sitting heavily on me is best kind of brought forth by this, this social media post that I saw someone post actually about the Michigan 
murderers, the kid who went in and, and shot up at the school. And this guy posted on, on social media, the, the Grio was this kid's headshot when he was brought in by the police. And what was kind of messed up is, I don't know if you all saw this too, that the media was releasing headshots and images of this kid, like when he was like six, I don't know why this is what was circulating right after the murders. And it was like, what is going on? And this guy said, this person was saying, you know, that old picture is bullshit. I'm sick of this. Media can portray victims as criminals, but never the actual criminals as they are. And this is really sitting with me because where we came in this, the Rittenhouse episode was highlighting the perspective that Rittenhouse was definitely acting from a place of complete privilege, but we were kind of highlighting how he was becoming a pawn in the Republican agenda and kind of highlighting how he was becoming a victim. Mm -hmm. And it just feels really like, yes, that's kind of like a niche perspective. Um, Courtney, I, I don't know how you're feeling about that. You know, and it was a short episode and we were just kind of teasing that out and highlighting it. Like that is a very incomplete perspective of this, of Rittenhouse, because Rittenhouse is a, a criminal who knowingly brought a semi-automatic gun into a a violent situation. And we highlighted that he was also a victim. Like, how is that sitting with you? I mean, no one person is ever the sum total of exactly what they did, you know? I mean, f- with the case, with the shooter, I feel... I mean, it's been happened to people of color all the time. Whenever there's a, a situation that happened, they try to find the worst depiction of the person to put out there to push a narrative. You know, on now on both sides, narratives have to be pushed because money has to be made. We're talking about capitalism. You know, um, individuals love fear. Individuals love terror. As far as written house is concerned, the criminality existed, but in the in, individuals tried to paint it as he went out there with a the sole purpose to do racist acts, you know, criminality in the way of having a gun, taking it across state lines, going to a place that was already ignited and tensions were high um, to put further, to add further tensions to that situation. Yes. You know, and so the juxtaposition between both of those exist, like the complexity is just that that's why, the legal system is what it is. You know, it's, it's on the burden of the prosecutor and defense to put a case up to see, okay, the criminality exists, what crime happened, you know? And so he's a pawn because after that now, he's a spokesperson, whether he wanted to be or not, for a, a particular side. So there's a lot going on with that, you know? So I don't, I don't feel a certain way as far as right or wrong I just have an opinion of what the criminality that may exist and where it did not exist with regards to Renault. Question for y'all. So actually a, a couple questions. So as, you know, stewards of this podcast, as the hosts, do y'all typically, when you record an episode, do you typically go back and listen to that recording or, and if so, did you do so with this particular episode on, you know, your reflections of the written house case? So yes, for the written house case, cause it was disturbing me. I always listen to the guest 
episode because then we debrief it afterwards, but I don't necessarily listen to our debrief episode. Mm. Okay. Are you, Courtney? Yeah, yeah. I like to listen to it. Um, I like to view it as game tape, you know, to try to get better, mm. to try to articulate thought, you know. And, um, like I said, I'm going to push back on Emily again. I said, I think we did the complexities of the Rittenhouse case were shown in our episode. We, we can never speak on the intentions of someone that had, a, had done an alleged crime. We can, no one could ever speak on that intention. And so actually I'm going to embrace that word that you've now brought up a few times, Courtney, of complexity, right? Mm -hmm. So you even highlight the complexity of what it is to be human, uh, how you began your first response a moment ago saying no single act uh, defines an individual comprehensively, yeah. right? Uh, so you're highlighting the dynamism of people, the complexity of human nature, of what it, of of us as humans, mm -hmm. and so having done that in your last episode about the greenhouse case, uh, both of you highlighting the complexity of the situation and the dynamism of Kyle Rittenhouse. What do you suppose your viewers or your uh, listeners thought and felt? by that complexity so i'm so i guess in my question i'm asking for you to in this moment to separate yourself as host mm -hmm. and listener mm -hmm. right so what do you think your audience thought and felt by you highlighting the complexity of this of the case as well as the dynamism of kyle rittenhouse as a listener i i would hope because this is what i would do look at the duality of the situation on one end what the hell is this dude doing at 17, taking a gun to an already stressful situation. Also, why the hell would your mom take you to a stressful situation? You know, um, did it have uh, racial components? Then I would do research and find um, that find out that he stood, he did some Black Lives Matter stuff and this and that. I would start to think about privilege. Like, there's no way that there, me and you could go across state lines with a gun and then go back home and figure it out and then rest and then get off. Like, I think our case would look a lot different. You know, that's that's what I would be thinking about. And also narratives. Narratives being pushed on the, the, the Democrat side, you know, oh, he's a huge racist. Another time when um, racism shows its ugly head. On the Republican side, he's now our spokesperson. So now I start thinking, man, are they, is this um, like agendas being pushed? And so that, as a, as me, as a thinker, as a listener, I would that that is exactly what I would hope would be brought up with our last episode because I love to trigger and uh, initiate thought. I don't like to tell people what they should think. I like to to be in conversation and dialogue to come to um, to kind of lead a person towards their individual train of of thinking. And Courtney, really quick, just to impress upon you a further separation or distinction. I mean, you have an, a, an idea of what your audience would have thought. Yeah. Anything about like the emotion upon listening to your episode, like what they would have felt? Hopefully, curious anger. You know, um, or what, so something that makes you look like, you know what, I got to research that because I'm sick and tired of this happening. I've been told to do this, but let me do more little digging to see exactly what happened. Um, and not just 
be told what I should think and how I should feel based on certain things. And so hopefully it would be like, I'm angry enough to do the research to find out exactly what may have happened. Hmm. Okay. What about you, Emily? So, you know, Derry, when we spoke earlier, you pointed out that it was, it was a relatively short episode too. You know, I, I told you we had a, a piece that we edited out. So to only kind of grapple with it for about 25 minutes was incomplete in itself. And we were highlighting the complexity, but we ended kind of focusing on this. He's a victim too. And I think I was interested in that perspective because I hadn't thought about it that way yet. And, and like we ended the episode and my husband was like, he is literally in Mar-a-Lago right now meeting with Trump. Like, and I was like, oh, he's not just the victim. You know, he's he's taking advantage of this as well. He's not the minor that all of a sudden I had kind of started to see him as in my head. And so what I'm concerned that the listeners heard was a justification for this narrative of white people as victim. And this situation, you know, there's a very strong narrative about creating and painting white people as victims. And that is a narrative that reinforces white supremacy. And that's what leaves me uncomfortable if there are some listeners who, after a year of listening to us, are kind of like, Courtney and Emily are, are people who really know what they are talking about. And they are trusted sources of information. And my fear would be that someone was would listen to it without doing that digging more. Cause I don't have as a mom, like I don't have time to do a lot of digging around. I do if I'm interested, but I don't know how much digging around people do after they listen to an episode. So my concern would be that it ended up actually reinforcing and perpetuating this idea of white people as victim. When I say victims, white people are still also victims of white supremacy. You see, that's the misconception. Like they're just a hundred percent. They are benefiting at a cost, though. You know, and so just like white people may benefit financially, education, healthcare, and all these things, but just like a criminal is a victim of the crime that he or she commits as well, because there is something psychologically sometimes that's ailing them and certain things. So when you would like a lot, a lot. Of, I like to detach white supremacy as just like as a person and know that the system of white supremacy affects everyone, whether you're white, black, brown, uh, or whatever the case may be. Because at the end of the day, even individuals who, who are benefiting from our vantage point, people of color, are also being fucked in the end because we know right from wrong, whether or not you have a choice we actually do have a choice, but when you choose to to lean on what's more comfortable, now you also are a victim and a perpetrator of the crime. And I I agree with that, but I feel like we have an ethical obligation as thought leaders to mm -hmm. hold that as like that should be ten percent of the conversation and eighty percent of the conversation. That's a, just a small slice of what's going on in this situation. And we, it felt like to me in that episode that we focused on that and ended with that in too big of a way that doesn't feel right. You know what? I actually 
I love how you just uh, pointed our attention toward ethics because that's actually where I was going to have us go <laughs> right now, but actually just in a slight moment because I actually <laughs> want to follow up with something that you had mentioned, Emily, is that a moment ago, you had spoke that there is this narrative, this grand narrative to portray white people a particular way. Do you think it's like even deeper? It's, it's not so much a narrative as it is an impulse or a propensity that that narrative has caused, right? And so, like, yeah. and so going back to this phrase, right? The waters we swim in, right? So the, mm-hmm. so the waters we swim in are, this narrative has possibly made a, made a stronger likelihood that there will be an impulse from us as individuals, from media outlets, from different platforms to portray white people as um, better, right? Do you think that impulse was simmering in your uh, episode, in your podcast episode on Kyle Rittenhouse? I think that that is, I think it's a great question. And I think that that has to be part of what is disturbing me, that there was kind of like, so I mentioned that I had watched this Tucker Carlson piece before and that he seemed like a kid that I would have worked with when I I did a lot of work with teenagers and he just seemed like he seemed very relatable to me. And as I sat with that, I'm like, that could definitely just be affinity bias of like, he looks like he seems like someone who would have been raised in my neighborhood who seems familiar. And so when this idea of him becoming the victim, I think that there was like a, a bias, a narrative at work that's like, oh, that feels more comfortable because he feels like someone that I know. So I don't want to like Mm. make him, it feels more comfortable to to imagine someone that I know as a victim in a situation. It also feels deeply disturbing because I'm very, you know, my feelings on guns are, (laughs) feel very strongly that we should not be having guns. So Like, that's a a sticky point of like, why am I feeling this? I mean, maybe it's not why. Like, I I am feeling this, this, I don't know, impulse to protect or something. I don't know. So, yeah. And I'm, Courtney, actually (laughs) to you, man, I'm curious about like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you hearing? Right now. Yeah. Um, Hearing hmm. Emily talk about how perhaps there was an impulse to protect Kyle yeah, that yeah. was simmering in the background of your last episode. What does that make you think? I'm not necessarily about the episode, but also yeah. about her as your co-host. Oh, it's expected. She's a white woman, you know, and, and no disrespect, it's all love, you know, and like... <laughs> Just call me a white woman is... <laughs> no, I mean, no, 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 it's not, not in an assaulted way. No, not, no, not in an assaulted way at all. It's... Um, it's like you said something that Kyle Rittenhouse resembles someone that could live in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I, of course, this is why DEI work is so difficult because there's always a propensity to protect individuals that look like you, mm-hmm. whether, whether they're right or wrong, you know? And so... Right, and it's disturbing. It's, dis- it's disturbing. really disturbing to, to say 100%. that for uh, me. No, yeah. that's, why, that's why I love you because that honesty right there makes me trust you even more. Mm-hmm. 
Because if you said everything like, yeah, no, he was a, no, he's not. He's not in your mind just from your lens. Like if I was sitting next to Kyle Rittenhouse, you're going to lead lean next to Kyle because he looks more like what you know. And that's not, that's just the honest truth. If Derry is looking next to me, if I go into a room, I'm not, I may not sit next to Emily. I may sit next to my guy. Like, Yo, what's up? Because we have a shared, just in my mind, a culture, you know? And so just to piggyback on what you said about Mar-a-Lago, grown men are jumping on the Trump train, who they may have been before. Like, he is Trump is a horrible person. I don't care about him. That's grown men. Now, a child who probably never had that kind of attention, never left with um, wherever he's from, I think it was, with, that's Wisconsin, never left over there. Now he's in Mar-a-Lago with a, a president. That's what I'm saying. We don't know. It may look like, oh, yeah, he's, he's not a victim. But how is he not a victim? Trump doesn't care about Rittenhouse. He's a pawn. He knows, like Trump knows what he's doing. And so when I say he's a victim, it's not to excuse anything he did. It's to show like individuals and forces that are much stronger than possibly Kyle Rittenhouse are at play. And so they're doing whatever they have to do. Optics are everything. And so when you, when you had, when, when you had a, a, a video camera in a jail cell of Kyle Rittenhouse, they don't care about Kyle Rittenhouse. They're painting a narrative. They're being Picasso right now. And we are being voyeurs and looking at something like, oh, my God, they're, and, and, and eat, eating it up 100%. So now the, the emotions that is evoking Emily are valid, but the system is doing what it's supposed to do. So now you're sitting in a weird place because it's like I speak on these, these things routinely. However, everything is nuanced. And so I am 100% a civil activist and I ride and I understand, but it will be very ignorant of me to say that people of color at times should not step up. I have to hold the line and I have to stand for truth no matter who or what is happening. No matter what's happening, no matter who's doing it, because if I'm doing, I have to be held accountable. And so with the Kyle Rittenhouse case, yes, it, it is weird to say that a white guy is a victim. But if we step back and think, you know, like it's also easy to put all the blame on the white guy as well and says, oh, yeah, he's racist. Oh, he went out and ticked to kill. Oh, he did all this stuff. All right. OK, he messed up. He did some stuff that a teenager that is not thinking as the, like I've done crazy thing at 17 that like, man, that was crazy shit. Why, why would you ever do that? Why would you go across state lines with a gun? 17 year old. That don't make sense. But so I, that, that's, what's coming up for me there, man. Just like, I, I love your honesty, Emily. And I appreciate it. And this is what we're here for a human. You know, golly, man, I hear the passion in your voice. And I like how you said it can be weird, you know, it puts us in a weird place. So for a moment, Let's let's continue to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> I live in that world, baby. Let's, let's get it. <laughs> let's get weird, man. So, like, what you're talking about here is that you you uh, you said that it could be difficult to do this DEI work or Jedi or, as I recently have become acquainted with, deer work, diversity, equity, and anti-racism. Um, that's a new one for me. That's a new one. Yeah, many acronyms. I, I like it. So there's difficulty in doing this. Let's just sum it up as this pro-social work. And so I'm curious about like, how do you two 
let's talk percentages, right? <laughs> so how do y'all balance your perspective on the issue at hand, in this case, the, the, the Rittenhouse case, as well as balance your feelings, your own emotions about it, and balance <laughs> the dynamic between you two, and balance <laughs> y'all's co-hosts and the fact that you have an audience of, of listeners. And so you're holding a lot. You're holding a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, so again, percentages. In that last episode, what do you think was your, your responsibility? Uh, or at least as Emily called it, ethics. So what do you think was your responsibility in terms of percentages in the last episode? Where is it your, did you take it upon yourself to hold that balance Equally, like Kyle Rittenhouse is 50% uh, murderer, 50% victim. You know, do you approach it that evenly in your work that like we should give 50, 50, 50, 50 and present a nice balance? Oh, I don't think we're trying to be like the AP here, like a balanced news source. (laughs) I mean, first of all, we're not a news source, but I feel like... uh, I mean, I think it's a good question because when I think about it, it's it's a lot of like instinct and what feels right. And I think that if anything, we're trying to highlight the the counter narrative, what isn't really being captured in mainstream media, so that perspective is is pushed, is like the non the non mainstream perspective can be pushed. And I think sometimes we can do it, and sometimes we don't. And I think that that. For me, that's why the Rittenhouse episode is, I feel like it, it, we needed to talk about it because the, the perspective of him as this like white victim doesn't feel right. Those are my thoughts. I, I mean, percentage. I mean, that's a great question without a great answer for me because I never think about, I never, see, this might come out weird. I never think about the feelings of someone else because I know I start from a place of, 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 I always try to start with a place of truth for myself, you know? And so if I say or do something, I am humble enough to apologize if it, that my intention and impact are not aligned, if that makes sense, you know? And so if I know I intended to say, Hey, Emily, I really care about you and this is what it is. But in her mind, it came out across like, I hate you. How could you have done it? And she feels hurt because I love the human race. I will apologize and say, can we unpack that so I can learn so that could be a learning for me? So I never go into a, a, a situation with a percentage thinking, okay, I got to be balanced. I got to be PC. I got to do this. I always go, what is my truth? And what will I be able to learn from the encounter that I'm having right now with the, with the person? And so with the listeners, I hope that they got the truth and they now see or hear the willingness to unpack and grow from that if it rubbed them the wrong way. And so that's a, a difficult question for me to answer about percentage because I don't, I'm, 100% I'm going to be me. So it's easy. Mm, a difficult question indeed awkwardly phrased i admit but your response though important (laughs) nonetheless right because this moment and how y'all responded to my curiosity there allows for i believe listeners to know the cards that they're being dealt here right when they're tuning Mm -hmm. into your episodes of like 
who is Emily and how does she come at this? Mm -hmm. You know, who is Courtney and what's going on in his mind when he is um, taking in and putting out information to me as a listener? You know, so I think that moment is important for folks to, (laughs) as you kind of led off, Emily, about behind the scenes to get a, a bit more of a behind the scenes insight to what your purpose and your role is as their <laughs> insight generator, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I've been hearing, I hear from a lot of white listeners in particular, like how much they resonate with comments that I make and questions that I ask, which I appreciate, you know, it helps normalize me and my perspective, which is always, we always like to feel normalized. And it, it feels like it's becoming a greater responsibility. And I think that that, that's my, you know, recognition as our our numbers of downloads are increasing and, and especially, yeah, just like becoming a, you know, someone that people would look to of like, I wonder what her perspective is. I wonder what their perspective, how are they going to cope with this new thing? It's hard not to feel like I want to get it right. Because Courtney and I speak a lot about how we can't get it right, how this is inherently imperfect. And I think that the podcast format is uncomfortable because of that, because we don't get a lot of dialogue with our our listeners. We don't hear, it's not a closed communication loop and we want it to be. We're we're trying to think of ways to, to engage the listeners more, but yeah, I just want space for that, the pushback to be, you know, I guess I had kind of hoped that someone on social media would have been like, ah, that episode was kind of weird guys. Like that kind of went off track or that brought up these different thoughts, but there's no space for that in the podcasting format. And And also I do hear you, but what if that is not what came up with that episode for some people, Mm -hmm. you know what, you know? And so that's the thing. Like, I mean, we always talk about it. We can always lean on, oh, this is, this will go bad or this is not good. I love to lean on, but what if it was great though? What if individuals felt like that is something that provoked thought? Now I'm going to research. So it did what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's a 20 minute episode for like a possible two year case. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like that is, that is crazy. Like there was right. no way we could have touched every nuance of that case or even get in the mind of Kyle or understand where he's coming from or mm-hmm. the victim victimhood or villain or criminal or 17 year old or asshole or good guy fighting or like, it was so much. It, mm-hmm. It's so much. And so I, I don't know. I listened to it. Was it short? Yes. Was it uncomfortable? Yes. But I think that's what, this work is supposed to be. It's mm. not supposed to make us feel like a bedtime story. It's supposed to make us feel like let's grab a book. Let's grab a, let's, let's get into a circle with people who, who may look different from us. And let's, let's hash this shit out because our lives are on the line, you know? And so I, I think mm. it did what it's supposed to do. So how do y'all come together as co-hosts? Because going back to my question about uh, percentages, right? Mm-hmm. It, what I gather from you, Emily, is that there was too high of a percentage on Kyle Renhouse as victim. And that made you feel a little uncomfortable. Right. And uh, what I gather from Courtney is that like, 
the the balance was was struck pretty well of uh for 20 minutes was struck pretty well of like balancing Kyle Rittenhouse as victim as well as villain right and so but now that you too have heard what you thought and felt and hoped for <laughs> upon the, the the conclusion of that episode how how what do y'all do with each other you know like <laughs> high like, fives uh, yeah like no. <laughs> Courtney hearing that you know Emily is is thinking about ethics, right? Uh-huh. She's thinking about did we do the right thing by painting Kyle Rittenhouse as a victim, period, or maybe even too much of a victim, right? And then then Emily, you're hearing from Courtney that what if we did what our podcast was supposed to do? We ignited perspective and motivated action to research more. Uh, we got ball rolling in a productive manner things might be fine so like when you put those two together what do you suppose is your is your responsibility or your role as co-hosts to one another going forward for future podcast episodes well there's one more thing that i'm hearing from which is my body which is I'm noticing I'm like squirming a lot right now and shifting back and forth because I realize that if I hear Courtney's perspective that like, hey, that was fine. We were just sharing some different perspectives. And I think about like the discomfort that it caused me. It's likely that it was what you brought forth before, Derry, this affinity bias and basically feeling like as a white person, naming him as a victim is basically showing my white supremacy conditioning, which is always uncomfortable to to have on blast. <laughs> but that's also my role on this podcast. I feel like is to to is to be confessing how these thoughts show up, no matter how uncomfortable. And um, yeah, I feel like it's really important. Like for me, if it feels important to to pause when things are uncomfortable and uncover what is there, and that's what we're doing today. So for me, that's like okay, we're still aligned with what we're trying to do here. So I can be okay in that discomfort as long as I know where it's coming from. Um, then that makes sense. And before you respond, Courtney, really quick, just to follow up with you, Emily, is that if that is how you would how you identify what your role is, what would you like from Courtney? What do you need from Courtney in those moments when you, when you need a pause in in that way that you're describing? Well, I mean, just, he usually helps and support, like Courtney does a couple things. One, he always says yes. So I was like, Courtney, we need to do this episode there. He's like, yep. I slept two hours last night. No problem. Let's go. So (laughs) his support there. And then one thing that's really powerful for me is that every time I do kind of come forth with these, you know, what experiences as vulnerable moments is he always says, thank you. That's why I love you. And that's like a very different in my nervous system. I'm expecting Ha ha, see, you're racist. <laughs> like there's something in there that's expected. And Courtney never responds like that. It becomes more of a transformative moment that's like, okay, you can keep going. And that's what we've been able to do for the last year. And Courtney, your thoughts, man? 
Ha-ha! Just kidding. Ha-ha! It's my moment. Pack your ass! I just play. No, seriously though, man. No, I am. Um, what this brings up for me is transformation, um, modeling, thought-provoking um, work, modeling what this kind of work should be. You should be uncomfortable. White supremacy has had, and we speak on this a lot, has had, man, that centuries head start on on work, you know? And so whenever it's work, like it's, it's, it's going to be clumsy, you know? It's going to be, it has to be. And it, one thing it has to be too, though, is audacious. You know, it has to be um, something that's going to make everyone involved feel as though they have to do something and has and, and be uncomfortable enough to be uncomfortable enough to know that this matters. This matters. You know, the work that we do matters. I feel a lot of times I listen to, as I listen to an episode, I always tell myself, if I start to feel comfortable, if I start to feel too happy, if I start to feel like I've arrived at a conclusion and say, aha, we got it, we good, like we need to stop and figure out another way to do more work because we are no good to individuals when we're comfortable because everybody's just there and being a think tank. We all have the same thought. We all have the same views. We all have, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that me and Emily have these divergent views, these different perspectives on something that could be shit. Just because we're co-hosts doesn't mean we're a monolith. Doesn't mean we're the same person, you know? And so I, I, I what's coming up for me is a blessing. My role is to support. My role is to drive. My role is to be fearless and in, and in love. You know, so um, I'm I'm just happy. So, yeah. Gary, thank you for coming in and asking us these questions. And Courtney, thank you for being you and continuing to show up <laughs> in, <laughs> in this humanized format. I really appreciate the podcast therapy session, Gary. I- <laughs> That's the title. That's the title. <laughs> Because uh, we need, we constantly need more perspectives, you know, and I think it's a question for us as, you know, creators of a curators of a community is like, how are we going to, how are we going to get more perspectives? Well, you know, Emily and Courtney, <laughs> regarding this podcast therapy phrasing here, it's the fascinating thing is that y'all do fascinating work. You are the, the keepers, the stewards, the curators of, of stories of experiences. I mean, heck, this this podcast is called Humanize. And so you are collecting very human stories with each guest, right? And you are also the, um, you're, you're skilled, you're highly talented in question asking. And so it's good to hear how the people who are the authors of so many questions to others and the keepers of so many stories what is their human experience? Mm-hmm. This, this episode to me was about how to, is humanizing Courtney, humanizing Emily, what it feels to do this work mm-hmm. and what it felt to do this work with a very important case that just happened with, with this mm-hmm. Kyle Rittenhouse. And so uh, speaking of Rittenhouse, I, I appreciate y'all inviting me up in this house. 
to hear what it means, you know, to be human doing podcast work. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. With that, we're going to sign off. Derry, thank you so much again for joining us on short notice. Appreciate it. I'm your guy. (laughs) We're going to come back to you. (laughs) You don't messed up now. now. (laughs) Hey, I I don't appreciate, I appreciate being like a next door neighbor that you could just invite over to the crib, you know, I like that. (laughs) Friend of the podcast. All right. Thank you so much. (laughs) Peace. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.